Okay, so uh, any questions for me? Anything? Or uh, we can sort of just kind of jump in. Um, no, I don't think I have any questions. Uh, is there any, are there, are you going to throw me any hardballs? Any, uh, any gotcha journalism here? It'd be nice. No, I don't, I don't have anything <laughs> like that prepared. <laughs> Hi, by the way, it's nice to meet you. You as um, well. It's, uh, it's always fun to talk to boss fight folks. These, these shows are always very popular without any fancy journalism. Good, 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 good. So, uh, cool. Uh, in that case, we'll just kind of roll into it. Uh, Sebastian, thanks for jumping on a call. Welcome. Hi, how are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing okay. Uh, congrats, I should say, on uh, Final Fantasy VI from uh, Boss Fight Books. It's already got a, a number one, right? Yeah, number number one new release in music history and criticism on the Amazon.com Kindle store. So a lot of qualifiers on that, but still a number one. I'll take it. You say that, but I'm guessing there are some pretty respectable titles on that list. I mean, they do get very specific on Amazon, and that's, <laughs> that's, a, that's a solid category, I think. That's true. Yeah, there are some, there are definitely some good books in there. Um, one of which I like wrote my entry essay for grad school on. So feel Ooh. good about that. Beating that guy up, Alex Ross, <laughs> New Yorker. It's great. Take that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when did the uh, book drop? By the way, it must have been a week ago. Holy cow! I can't believe I rem- I can't <laughs> like, remember the the exact date. Um, Time um, goes quickly after launch. I know. I know, I know. Um, uh, oh, how 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 much can I curse uh, on here? I should have asked in advance because uh, I tend to swear like a sailor. As much as you care to. We're okay, wonderful. Marked explicit everywhere, and we rarely put it to good use. So beautiful. All maybe right, maybe you well, can help with that. <laughs> I will. I will make good use of that. Um, it was May nineteenth, so we're closing in on a month. Actually, um, wow. Yeah, that's that's cool. I mean, like book launch. I just experienced this for the first time also like it happens and it's just like thing after thing stuff starts really moving. Uh, You hear from people, you're trying to talk to different people and get, get stuff out there. And yeah, the the days pass by quick, like the first month, especially goes by super fast. Yeah. And this was, this was kind of peculiar in that it was, um, it was a bit of a soft launch uh, because the paperback isn't coming out until like July 13th mid July oh. sometime. So um, it's only the ebook that's available right now. And gotcha. then the printers were apparently backed up. Um, so there was a delay with that, um, with that printing. It's such a weird time for physical products of any kind because, yeah. and I don't fully understand the whole scale of it, but if you need a physical component for what you're doing, it's like, it's a real gamble right now. Yeah, so. I can I can imagine there's a backlog in a lot of places. It's still like impossible. I was just thinking about this. It's still like impossible to get a PlayStation 5. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, you know, obviously they're not going to cram a bunch of factory workers in and make them <laughs> make them try to churn them out really fast. Um, but yeah, it is. It, it truly is for for stuff. Uh, a crazy time. Yeah. Now, clearly you're an established writer. I mean, is this uh how, how many books have you done? Is this the first book or I, I know you're a writer? Yeah. So this is actually my first published book. Um, okay. And I have just a few bylines. I think most of uh, most of my writing, um, I didn't, you know, it's, it's actually, it's actually funny. I didn't really uh, start writing until I applied to grad school. So um, I was a, uh, 
a professional musician uh, in my twenties. I I did um, opera and and classical concert singing, um, nice. and I um, it wasn't until uh, I moved to New York in about two thousand nine. I started dabbling in writing, and um, I met my husband um, in early two thousand ten, like uh, just a few months after I got here, and he um, <clears throat> he was a, a a sketch writer, um, at, uh, upright citizens brigade. Um, oh, so wow. he did, yeah, he had a weekly show there. Nice. Um, and, uh, he obviously knew a lot of other writers, um, a lot of comedy folks, and they really in- encouraged me, um, with my own writing. I was putting stuff out on Tumblr and they were like, Hey, this is really great. So I was like, Hmm, well, I have a, a few friends who went into MFA programs maybe I'll give that a shot as well. Um, And so I was working at Columbia at the time and I thought, you know what, I'm going to apply to Columbia because I get tuition remission. I'll I'll see if I get in. And then if I don't get in, I'll go from there. Maybe I'll apply next year to other programs. Uh, Mm -hmm. And I just happened to get in. It was, it was wild. I did not expect it because Columbia is pretty competitive. I, I learned after the fact, I did not know that going in. Uh, and so when I tell my friends that who are in the program, they want to strangle me um, <laughs> because a lot of them had been applying to other programs for years. And this was, you know, they finally got into this one. They, um, they just wanted to murder me. So, um, so it wasn't until like um, 2013 uh, that I really started taking writing seriously. Um, so I have, um, I have my, my master's thesis, which is a book length manuscript of essays and, um, experimental prose. It's very weird. It's, Mm. it has as many agents have told me no commercial value. So I I imagine it'll never be published. Um, but this is, so this is my first book. I've done a little bit of TV criticism and a little bit of, um, uh, of essay writing. Um, and that's really it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's crazy that I got this. This was kind of the same thing as grad school. I just kind of applied right after I graduated. Um, I, I threw this pitch at boss fight and they bit, and again, not a thing that I was expecting. (laughs) I was just like, all right, buckle up. I'm gonna, I'm gonna write a book. Um, and here we are. So what a nice yeah. story, though, to uh, make a bunch of new friends who, you know, encourage you with that. And then it really takes off. That's kind of nice. Yeah, it really was. They really I really owe them a lot. I really do. Yeah. And was the transition to New York from St. Louis? You mentioned you were a fellow St. Louisan at one time. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, no, that was involuntary. Uh, so I um, I used to work for COCA, the Center of, the Cre- uh, Center of Creative Arts. Um mm-hmm in university city in St. Louis County for those of us who are non St. Louisans. Uh, (laughs) and, um, you know, it's a small arts organization. So in the, uh, 2008 recession, I lost my job. So Mm -hmm. I was unemployed for like the first nine months of 2009. And I took the first job that I could get. And it happened to be like as a billing paralegal for a law firm, here in New York. So I was like, all right, got two weeks. I'm going to pack up what I can move to New York. Um, it was crazy. Um, but I'm, I'm glad I did it. Um, a lot of cool stuff has happened to me since. So, yeah. And I feel like even if you said Coca to a lot of St. Louisans, probably half wouldn't know what you were talking about. I happen to, 
I think at one time they were doing, they were one of the only places around here who did like improv. Uh, mm-hmm. you, you could catch a class or a, a, a thing, you know, once a week. And I, I never ended up doing it, but it was one of the places I looked at when I was thinking about it that one time. So I randomly came across this and had a couple of friends who knew about it. But uh, it was kind of a, a cool a cool setup they've got here. And it's one of the things that makes St. Louis nice. But uh, it was it's always nice to run into people who are creating things and doing things from this area, you know, whether yeah. they're still here or not. So yeah. good for you. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, the, the book is Final Fantasy VI. And clearly this game has meaning to you because you you made a pitch based on it, which was uh, accepted, which are are both noteworthy elements to that. Why Final Fantasy VI? Well, I fell in love with this game um, pretty much from the instant I turned the cartridge on. Um, and uh, it goes back, my my love for Final Fantasy extends to the NES game, the first Final Fantasy game. When I was a kid, um, I was just, uh, there was something about it that really caught my imagination. And um, I just, it, I didn't even own it. My my best friend's brother owned the game and um uh i kept borrowing it from him over and over and over again and that game was set up such that you can only have one save data on it um and the only the only way you can like stay at an inn to like recover all of your uh hp and mp is to is to save you have to save every time you do that (laughs) so i used to borrow it from him and then just play until i died over and over and over again. And then I finally convinced him to let me play through it. And it was really just such a um, formative experience for me that really um, kicked off a love, not just for um, Final Final Fantasy, but for fantasy in general. Um, but there, to me, there was something really beautiful I found as a kid to that um, idea of those four classic elements. That was my like intro to earth, wind, fire, and water. Mm-hmm. Um, and I used to think about like, what made up each thing in my house like what was my bed made of it was like okay it was earth because it was wood but also like air because there was air in the mattress you know like that kind of stuff (laughs) i used to think about that a lot and like you know like what was metal what did that count as you know um obviously like earth now i realize but as a kid i didn't (laughs) um so i really really loved that game and then I um I found out about Final Fantasy 2 um a, a a family friend dumped a bunch of old Nintendo Power magazines on us nice. and one had like a spread on Final Fantasy 2 and that's how I found out about it so started renting that from Blockbuster um Blockbuster Video uh and um ran up so many late fees um <laughs> with it uh I used to just like rent it and we got late fees and we used to re-rent it over and over and over again because I loved playing it not just playing through to the end but just like replaying over and over and over and doing the grind and and all of that um it was just so much fun for me and it got to a point where my parents were like all right we are reaching a point at which these late fees are are murdering us (laughs) so it will be less expensive to actually buy Sebastian the game and that's what we're going to do. So one day my dad made this um, trek to Nintendo or to, not to Nintendo to Toys R Us um, to buy the game for me. And it, I kind of knew that he left. It was kind of like 
kind of supposed to be a surprise, but like, I kind of knew what was happening. I knew it was going on. It wasn't my birthday. It wasn't like <laughs> Christmas or anything. And I grew up like with not a lot of money. So this kind of thing did not happen. Um, so this was like a big deal. And my dad came back and he was like, listen, I was going to get you, um, I was going to get you final fantasy two. Uh, they didn't have it as oh, no. for us. <laughs> so I got you this instead. And he pulled final fantasy three out of the bag. And yeah. I had, you know, like I did, I didn't have a subscription to Nintendo power. I just had all those old issues. So I had no idea that there was even a final <laughs> fantasy three. And it just happened to be after the release date. And it just happened that there was a guy who worked at Toys R Us who was like, get this for your kid. It's great. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so I flipped it on and I like, um, as soon as I saw those Magitek armor um, uh, mech suits walking over the tundra with that music underneath, I was just like, I was, go- I remember like I gasped with my, with my hand over my mouth. There was something <laughs> so spectacular about that. Um, at the time, you know, it was like bending the technology to the limit and the music was so beautiful and it was just, it was so wonderful. I was, I just fell in love right there. And then, I mean, what a, what a nice introduction to, to a game, you know, that's, that's really cool because, uh, I, I have a weirdly similar story about Toys R Us for some reason. I don't Mm. know if a lot of kids in a certain age range, come away with something like this, but we were in a similar situation. I was a kid obsessed with my Nintendo and most of my games came from like yard sales or maybe the occasional cousin was throwing something out or something. And so, right. A lot of secondhand stuff, which I was thrilled to get totally happy about that. But we made one special trip to Toys R Us together, me and both my parents at that time. And when we got there, I think my dad saw that Pac-Man was like ported to the NES and sort of took over the trip. And we, we left with Pac-Man instead of like one of many, many things I had in mind. <laughs> we ended up with like he talked me and it wasn't like, I know you want this, but we're getting this. But he kind of talked me into it, which was yeah. fine. I liked Pac-Man well enough, but it's funny because it's, it stands out as the only time I think we went to Toys R Us and got a new game out of the case and I feel like we kind of like blew it on Pac-Man, you know? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not a bad game, but like an interesting choice for the It NES. didn't exactly showcase yeah. the technology, yeah. uh, which my dad knew nothing about. But that's yeah. f- funny anyway. Uh, should we kind of sort out the weird release versions of Final Fantasy for anybody not familiar with that? You know, now we've called this three and six already. Yeah. Yeah. So, um... Uh, the first Final Fantasy game was released in both Nintendo and Japan. Uh, in Japan, they developed uh, Final Fantasy 2 and 3 for the NES, and they were actually very close to porting the, to bringing the second game over to the US. But um, I guess the um, localization folks, they, they had already started a translation, I think, and maybe even were very close to finishing it. I think there's like a test cartridge floating around out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but they they decided it was too, uh, the story was too weird for America. Because like, there's like a gateway to hell or something in Final <laughs> Fantasy 2. It gets, it gets weird. It's a little yeah. weird um, <laughs> in comparison to the first one. Um, so they decided no and then final fantasy three for the nes had this weird job system so it was too complicated so 
they were going to bring final, they brought Final Fantasy IV, the first Final Fantasy for the Super Nintendo, over to the NES because it was a little more of a traditional kind of story that was easy, you know, like sort of like cross culturally easy to like understand. Mm -hmm. uh, but they couldn't call it Final Fantasy IV because everyone would be like, what happened in two and three, buddy? Like, yeah. where are my where are my other games? So, they called they called it Final Fantasy two, and then the same thing happened with Final Fantasy five. They didn't bring it over um, again. There's there's this very um, complex job system in that game as well. Um, so they brought Final Fantasy six over and called it Final Fantasy three, and then uh, they skipped straight to seven. They were unapologetic yeah. about that <laughs> when they went to the PlayStation, they were just like, Oh, forget it. Uh, <laughs> and then from seven on, it's been consistent, uh, between the U S and Japan. Yeah. So hopefully, I mean, that's already in itself also a little bit complicated, but hopefully that straightens it out for anyone who didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, cause I was, I guess I was certainly past childhood when I found out that they were a little bit hit and miss on the releases, so, uh, but at the same time, like I, if you weren't around at the time or you just didn't know about it, like my, my recollection was there was kind of this weird, like a lot of traditional American families were, were really unsure about Nintendo stuff in general, because, you know, it, it sounds like Nintendo was being paranoid. They really weren't. There was this weird sort of like, what is this? I don't know. You know, some of these games are about magic and the devil and stuff. Yeah. And and my family wasn't particularly out there, but for some reason, the line for my mom was when they put out, like, I think during the Nintendo time, they came up with the now you're playing with power uh, mm -hmm. slogan. And when they when they hit that again for the Super Nintendo and now, you know, now you're playing with superpower or whatever. My mom was like, I've had enough. You're not. You're not. Doing, it's oh no! Strange. <laughs> we never got a Super Nintendo because she decided this was going in a weird direction. Oh, and I have, no. I can think of one other friend who had a similar story. Like I don't know what they're trying to get you kids into, and it was the most. Really, it was the most mundane, harmless stuff. Yeah. There are no super, super weird Nintendo games at all. But yeah. uh, that <laughs> that's my that's funny. So funny. That's so I'm, funny. Yeah. I'm I'm not a complete casual with the Final Fantasy series, but uh, I guess I am to some degree because my my big ones were like Final Fantasy VII. Mm -hmm. I played uh, most of. I don't think I finished eight, but I played quite a bit of eight. I don't blame you for not finishing. It, it's a big <laughs> job, <laughs> but uh, and then like Crystal Chronicles later on, mm -hmm. uh, and and friends like you said, friends always have different ones, and you, you check them out with friends and play as much of it as you can during a summer afternoon or whatever it is. Yeah. So I've I've always been a fan, but I'm well under half of the games played. But are you keeping up with the series overall, or you know you um I'm I'm actually like this is I'm gonna like you're going to have to revoke my final fantasy card now. I actually have not played most of them past seven. Um, no, I started no. eight and I gave up. And I think that's a common theme for folks who have played final fantasy eight from what I'm learning. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, after eight, you know, I, I was, I think headed into college and I never had um, a PlayStation uh, <laughs> and I never had, you know, like a PS2 or anything. So I kind of, um, fell off um, with the Final Fantasy games because my computer, when they ported them over to PC, my computer was never powerful enough to handle them. So like yeah. 
eight was as far as I could go. And then suddenly I was in college and uh, I had so little time for video games that like all I did was like play old ones to relax myself and like <laughs> chill before I went to bed. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, um, I think I, I actually, to be honest, I'm not sure if I finished seven. I've seen seven finished. I probably was like around hanging out with a friend when they finished. But yeah. I don't know if I finished it myself, to be honest. Yeah. Seven was kind of so ubiquitous that, yeah, yeah, even those of us who didn't finish our own playthrough got to see a friend, you know, polish it off or, uh, you know, certainly uh, we all will kind of know what happens. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But uh, there's there's my gotcha journalism. Boss fight author <laughs> doesn't play Final Fantasy. <laughs> I will. But you know what? I will say I went back and I played two, three and five. So I've, I've got that or two and five. I never played through three. I didn't get it. I'm glad they didn't port it to the U S when I was a kid. Cause I would have given up, um, <laughs> but yeah, I played two and five, so I can at least say I went back and did that. So that's quite a bit of credit. I have to give you right there. So you're, you're further along than me. What makes your book very unique in the, in the boss fight series, as far as I know, uh, is it's big emphasis on music. And obviously you have a ton of musical expertise, but this book is largely a walkthrough of, you know, it's reflections on the the music of the game from a musical expert such as yourself. So, I mean, is that largely the focus of, of the entire thing? Yeah. I, I mean, that's how I pitched it um, yeah. for sure. Um, I, uh, I, you know, like I mentioned, the, the music is, is one of the things that really got me. And I love the music from um, final fantasy uh, four and even from the original on the NES. Um, and, you know, like when, the internet happened. I discovered the music from two and three for the NES and um, God final fantasy two for the NES has some really, really wonderful music. I'm really sad actually that that game never made it to the U S because, Oh my God, there's some good stuff in there. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, uh, I pitched it as um, sort of a look at the game through the music and how the music functions within the game um, to advance the drama and to to hold it to hold the game together because the the script is a disaster it's <laughs> just it's a train wreck i mean there's so much going on um that you can like it's like it's hanging by a thread right the story because there is just like there's so many characters there's no they wrote it specifically so that there's no main characters and there so there are 14 quote unquote main characters and you, you know, like they all have their own weird backstories that you discover, like as you're going. And then, uh, you know, once you get halfway through, it turns into this open world game where you just kind of like figure things out on your own. Mm -hmm. uh, and it, yeah, the music, I think, is one of the things that really helps tell the story. Um, and, um, you know, even if you were to take away uh, uh, some of like the flashbacks where the the stories really of uh, the stories of the characters backstories really like happen um, in flashbacks, you don't really see them play out in real time. Um, if you sort of took those away from the game, the music would still do a lot of the work needed to to make the characters really vivid and memorable. So, um, I mean, I don't go into all that uh necessarily word for word in the book but um but yeah the music is really uh i think one of the most important if not the most important element of that game um yeah 
there's even at in points there's actual like sheet music in to describe like look at this you know these these bars and these chords and stuff it's it's very like I wouldn't discourage somebody who wasn't a, a musical expert to to read it because it's it certainly uh, goes plenty far to explain the concepts to anybody who might not be knowledgeable on that but it's it's fascinating to sort of take this approach and uh, it sounds like there was plenty to work with I mean. Were these things that you had thought about before you decided to kind of do this pitch? Was there a time when you were like, you know, I could really dig into this music if only I had the right, you know, the right outlet, <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's so funny. Um, yeah, first of all, yeah, for folks who are not musical experts, we included um, little uh, musical excerpts um, uh, uh, in musical, we call them figures, in the <laughs> book. Um mostly for folks who don't read music, you can kind of still see the shapes of the melodies and hopefully like the the notes are spaced out enough that you can kind of get a sense of the rhythm. But yeah, they're mostly there um, for folks who can read music and hopefully they inspire you to, you know, pick up the soundtrack and, you know, see if you can read along and make sense of where these little things go. But um, in terms of like uh, my desire to, um, to write this book, I, you know, like, listen to the soundtrack over and over and over. And um, I could probably, I could almost recite it for you. Uh, <laughs> but I never really thought about writing a book about it um, until uh, actually, until I was in grad school. Um, and it was my last semester. I was doing a research seminar to fulfill a requirement for, um, for graduation. And uh I, because it was my last semester and I was just like, so it had been so hard. I was doing this program while I was working full time. Um, and I decided, you know, I'm going to be wrapping up my thesis while I'm doing this research seminar. I was like, I want to do something fun. So mm -hmm. I decided I was going to research video game music and write about video game music. Um, because I had taken criticism, like, uh, criticism as, as literature, um, uh, as a, as a class before this. And I really, uh, was coming out of the, the program focusing on literature, so on criticism. So I decided to do video game music. And, um, you know, this felt like the logical place for me to start because it was, um, it was the music that I knew best. And um, I had already read, there's a, a 33 and a third book um, by Andrew Sharpman on the music from Super Mario Brothers. Um, mm. For folks who aren't familiar, the 33 and a third series is very similar to Boss Fight, mm -hmm. except instead of, you know, diving into one video game per book, they dive into one album per book. And uh, Andrew Sharpman's book was, you know, unique to that series in that it dove into a video game rather than diving mm. into an album. So it was kind of uh, the, the converse of, of, or inverse of, of my book in the boss fight series. Um, so I'd read that before and I was like, well, I know this is possible. Like, I know you can write about this in a critical way and, and explore it in a really meaningful, interesting way. Um, and that's kind of like why I went into, into, into writing about video game music in the seminar, aside from the fact that I just thought it would be fun um, so I researched, uh, Final Fantasy and, and Dragon Quest, um, and how they made it to the concert stage. There's a little bit of that in, in the book, um, about 
um, live concerts. Mm -hmm. Um, but my sort of idea was like, I want to, I want to figure out like, how did, how did it make the leap right from the, the screen to the stage? Um, and that's sort of what my little paper was on. We didn't have to write like a full, you know, like 10 fit or like 40 page, you know, thesis on it. But, um, I took, a a little five page excerpt of that. Um, and that's actually what I used to pitch this book to, um, to Gabe and Mike, the editors at boss fight. Um, because it, uh, you know, a friend tipped me off that they were accepting pitches for final fantasy six. And I was like, Holy cow. I, Holy <laughs> shit. Uh, making <laughs> use of that explicit rating. Thank you. Uh, I was like, Holy shit. You know, I, I researched this in grad school. I got it. I, this is perfect. I'm going to, I'm going to try it. I'm going to see if I can get a book deal right out of grad school. Like one of those assholes who gets a book deal <laughs> right out of grad school. Yeah. So, um, so I sent him the, I sent him the, um, the piece that I had written for that research seminar. And I said, I think I can do final fantasy six for X, Y, and Z reasons. And I wrote probably like, I don't know, 500 words in this email to say, you know, like why I thought I could do it. Um, and he called me out of the blue one, Gabe, uh, the, the, the editor at boss fight called me out of the blue and said, talk to me about this, uh, yeah. why this book? Um, and you know, I kind of gave him, um, the same, the same talk that I just gave here, but, you know, I explained that, um, this, this was kind of a turning point in game music. I think this is one of the games where people really started to think about game music as music rather than just as something that accompanied you, something you played, yeah. um, something you really wanted to listen to after the game was over. So, um, so yeah, I didn't like when I was a kid, I wasn't dreaming of writing this book, but it just happened that um, all of this stuff kind of came together all at once. Uh, it was really um of wonderful coincidence. And I'm sure Gabe looked at this as what a fantastic way to get a final fantasy book done, because I have no doubt that many people have probably pitched parts of the series and the disconnect. I think there is probably that interviews are difficult to do because it is indeed a a JRPG Mm -hmm. (laughs) J being Japanese. And uh, that's, there are some challenges there. So, and, and, but, from the musical uh, look at the, at the series and for such a, a book with such or a game with such great music, it's uh, it, it's really seems like a win for everybody. And it's been, I'm a very slow reader, so I, I wish I had had the book complete, but I've definitely got a good start on it and I've uh, skipped around and I'm really having fun looking at it. So I, oh, I think good. it's another win for them. So good. Thanks. Yeah. Um, I was, I was terrified to write this book, frankly, because, um, so many people love this series. So many people love this book that like going into it, I was like, okay, I have this angle at least that I'm going into the book with, but I don't know if, you know, like, I don't know if I'm going to, am I going to do it justice? Are people going to be mad at me? Cause I didn't (laughs) write the book that they were looking for. Like, oh my God, I'm terrified of this. So, um, so I'm glad, I'm really, really glad you like it. That means a lot. Totally. And I think readers of the boss fight series, and we, we talk about it on the podcast pretty regularly. So I feel comfortable, you know, spending uh, time discussing that, but like there's a lot of variation. And I think people have come to appreciate that there's obviously stuff like NBA jam, which could not have been any more thoroughly researched, which is yeah. a, a feat of, of writing from uh, Rayan Ali, who's been on the show a couple of times now. And then there are others 
that are very personal in nature, you know, like uh, uh, Chrono Trigger comes to mind. Yeah. Uh, a lot of a lot of great information in that one, too, but also a very personal story, which is also very fun to read about. So yeah, it was, yeah. I, this seems like a fantastic blend of, um, you know, fairly technical writing and plenty of personality and emotion in there uh, just through the inherent nature of discussing music and yeah. God, you're, I mean, you're such an educated guy. Like, you've also got a bunch of expertise in, what was it, French literature? Yeah. Um, my <laughs> undergrad, so I, I was a professional opera singer, but my undergraduate degree was actually in um, in French literature. Uh, and I mostly studied 18th century dramas. Um, my God. Uh, and I'm, <laughs> you know, like, I don't, I don't have a completed um, manuscript for this, but I'm also working on a translation project uh, oh. of uh 16th century poems written by a blind nun um she wrote a cycle of uh five 487 587 like uh, like poems based on the liturgical calendar and i'm not a religious guy but like i just found this collection i was like this is really interesting so um i'm giving giving it a stab at translating something from middle french which i I did not study middle French in college. So this is like a little tricky for me, but yeah. Um, I, my interests are kind of all over the place. And so, um, yeah, I think that's kind of one of the reasons that this, this book was fun for me. Cause it, it was the collision of video games and music, two of my, two of my passions. So. Yeah. And translations for a, for a, I mean, literally the Lord's work. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, quite literally. I kind of want to dig into the the musical performance element of it too. I mean, that's that's a pretty fantastic thing to get to do for a while. That you said that was mostly during uh, college years or later college years. Um, it was so I had a a regular gig um, singing in a church. Um, again, not a religious guy. I feel like I have to like say that because like I. I don't know. Um, that makes it and, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I, I sang in a church for uh, seven years, starting when I was a sophomore in college. Um, and uh, it was like, you know, like every Thursday and Sunday, um, you know, they paid me to to go sing. It was like getting paid to breathe for me. Um, and uh, I mean, it was literally getting paid to breathe because that's, that's what true. singing is. Fair Just enough. breathing in a very specific way. Um <clears throat> But, uh, yeah. And then after college, I started doing, um, opera and, and concert singing. I did not have a very illustrious career. Uh, I sang in some opera choruses. Um, I did some, um, performances. The big thing that I did was, uh, performed the Foray Requiem, um, in, uh, with a, a pickup orchestra and a chorus in a church. I sang the baritone solo and it was, that's, that's one of my favorite pieces. And so it was really an honor to be able to sing it. Um, and then I also, I sang with the St. Louis symphony chorus. So that was another regular gig, nice. um, uh, as well. So, so yeah, I didn't do like a, t I didn't like, you know, I never made it to the stage at the Met. Um, and one of the reasons I stopped singing is because I have like just debilitating stage fright. And so, oh, at a, yeah. yeah, at a certain point, like I had a church gig after I moved to New York as well. But at a certain point, it became, you know, like I had to do the the mental calculus, like, what am I getting out of this versus what am I giving to this, like, yeah. from a mental health standpoint. And, you know, unfortunately, um, I had to step away from it. But um, 
but yeah, I still hope, I still hope one day that I'll be able to, to, to get back on that stage. Yeah. So. My, uh, it's funny cause my wife and I were both, uh, trained in various musical performance from very early ages and oh, both, cool. both did paid, uh, musical jobs for churches. Like I, not that we were never religious. We were, we were both uh, brought up in that sort of environment, but mm-hmm. we both did like musical jobs longer than we were like actively participating in church. Otherwise. Oh, that's so I, funny. I say, so what, do you, it, what do you play? I'm now I want to know all about this. And, and I feel, I feel bad for folks who tuned in last time. Cause we, I didn't, I didn't realize initially I was going to speak with like two musical experts in a row. The last was uh, Adam Fligston from uh, silent audio. Who's a fantastic composer. Mm. And, uh, but I, I play played concert percussion instruments uh, from like age 10 till we performed at Carnegie hall, my senior year of high school. And then that was kind of a, a going away for me because I was going off to tech school where I did like programming. Yeah. You know, and on a high note, and at Carnegie, you know, I told people like, I'm, I'm not going to do it in college, but what would I do after this? You know, right. so, <laughs> it's right. very cool. And my wife uh, le- learned piano at like age six and she's a fantastic pianist. So cool. That's so awesome. It, it's a musical house. And, and yeah. now our son's getting into it, too. So I I love hearing from people who do stuff like this because you you know that, uh, you know, even not being a part of the religious uh, thing that's going on there. Just the, they, they have beautiful music and it's, it's a fun experience. And the performance element is, is cool when it, you know, obviously stage uh, discomfort is, is a, a big problem for that. But otherwise, I mean, collaborative musical performance is very fun and it's, it's a very unique experience. I tell people like, yeah, nothing <clears throat> like it. It's really one of the most rewarding things. It's such a great way to, uh, bond with people and connect with people. Um, <clears throat> after I moved to New York, um, I sang college acapella, first of all, uh, <laughs> don't hold it against. Some people really love a- acapella. Some people really hate it. I have earned the right to hate it. Um, yeah. <laughs> after having sung it for four years. Um, but I sang, uh, with a, a group when I was in college and, you know, they ended up being some of my best friends. And after I moved to New York, um, a couple of folks that I sang with are here and we formed a quartet. Like we would get together. We didn't perform anywhere. We just like got together uh, once a month uh, and, you know, sat around and ate cheese and crackers and sang. Nice. Uh, and it's, it was just so fun. We did it for like, I don't know, for like a year, a year and a half until folks started moving away. Um, but yeah, it's such a great way to connect with people. And that was such a fun, like social idea, like, you know, don't go to a movie. Don't go to a, go, go to dinner, like come over and sing. Great. It was, it was super fun. It's funny how that stuff comes back up because long after we had sort of given that stuff up around here, we have musical instruments, of course, but we don't do a ton with them because our jobs don't involve music. But my wife went into healthcare and sure enough, the hospital she worked at, she came to me one time and she goes, this is weird. My boss is looking for a drummer. (laughs) <laughs> and what that turned into was like they were had kind of formed a band several people at the hospital like new instruments and stuff and they're like we're looking to play around at parties and stuff and sure enough i spent a couple of years playing music with people from her work and uh it was lovely lovely That's people so we had a great time and uh so I, I say pick up an instrument for anybody thinking about it you never know when it's going to come up yeah know? absolutely absolutely definitely 
And if you've got kids, if you've got kids, get, let them take piano lessons or violin lessons or whatever, whatever piques their interest. If they're at all interested in music and you have the, if you have the money for it, um, let them play, find a way to let them play because it's so rewarding and they will thank you when they are adults. And that's exactly what I, what we came away with last week was no matter what you're interested in, start with piano, just because you learn the theory and all the stuff and uh, the practices, you know, tough, but not excruciating. And these days I'm sure YouTube can teach it to you in a couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean, you'll come so much farther, so much faster than we would have as kids, you know? Yeah. I can't play the piano. I actually never, I took one semester of remedial piano when I was in college. uh, And I, like I, I always wanted to take piano lessons when I was a kid. I mentioned we didn't have a lot of money. We definitely did not have the money for piano lessons. So I yeah. kind of tinkered on one and played by ear. Um, uh, we had like, we just had like this ancient, someone gave us a, a piano, um, I guess before I was born and uh, it was, we never tuned, we never had it tuned. It was broken. One time my brother stuffed me inside of it and a bunch <laughs> of the hammers broke. My uh, God. <laughs> yeah. That's a whole story and it's in and of itself, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, I just kind of played by ear. I never um, was able to take lessons. And it's, it's such a big um, regret of mine. I so wish I could play. And one of these days, maybe I will um, get myself a nice keyboard and uh, teach myself from YouTube or take some yeah. nice thing. No, no reason we shouldn't take advantage of the uh, easy way now, too. You know, Right, right. So <laughs> uh, sort of getting back to the book, how, like what was the, the writing process like? How long did this take you? Uh, are you sick of the game yet? You know, <laughs> tell me. <laughs> this is hilarious. Uh, it took me five years, um, and that's it, that's way too long. It should not have taken me five years. Um, uh, so I started the research pro- like right when I pitched the book, right when um, I signed the contract for the book. I actually got a new job. I I quit my job at Columbia and I got a new job um, writing. Uh, for Planned Parenthood. I work in their national offices. Um, <laughs> so I work for Planned Parenthood. I, I started there right before the 2016 elections and then Trump got elected. And there I was writing for Planned Parenthood, uh, helping them raise money. And it, my life just like crashed. It was so yeah. insane to work there during the Trump presidency. So like we never knew what was going to happen next. And so sometimes yeah. I just had to email Gabe and Mike and be like, sorry, guys, I cannot write right now. I have, yeah. you know, Ruth Bader Ginsburg just died. So, you know, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it was a very tumultuous job. Um, I also, um, I also have bipolar two disorder. And so uh, coping with that while writing and having this crazy job was a challenge in and of itself. And so the research process took quite a long time because I did want to make sure that, um, that I wasn't, um, uh, going into this blind, I read a lot of scholarship, um, uh, not just on the game, but on um, video game music in general. Sure. Uh, and um, that took about, I don't know, eight months to a year before I, I felt comfortable really digging into the writing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that, it was just sort of like battling with my personal life. Like, when can I fit this in? Uh, you know, how much can I get done? Um, you know, what and you know like gabe and mike are busy too and so it was like working around their schedule and you know it just it took way longer than it should have but um uh pleased with the result um yeah i, I came away like i don't know if i'm ever going to write another book 
um, or at least not another like researched book. Yeah. Uh, but I might, you know, but um, this one, this one was an arduous process. It was really, it was really a grind for me. Um, but I think, I think that's kind of the case for everyone. I, I don't think writing a book is easy for anyone. I think everyone, when they're done, they're like, I'm never writing another book. Uh, and then they change their minds. So, um, so yeah, it took a long, long time. Um, and this was a game that like the Kickstarter backers chose, uh, oh, right. Spite to do. And so, um, I was always worried while I was writing, I was like, Ooh, people are waiting on this. People are waiting yeah. on this. And I was also like, Ooh, I'm, I'm writing on this famous, like really well-known game and people love, like, am I going to screw it up? Um, yeah. and I had this like extra, I don't know, like I, I had this extra worry as someone who like minored in music in college i was like so worried about like like musicologists and um like how it would be received among musicologists and like yeah i don't know I, there was a lot of anxiety you know like going into this and you know mental illness like anxiety doesn't it doesn't mesh well together so it really really took a long time there were a lot of factors at play a yeah, lot of factors no, at play makes total sense and i i don't know if i just have maybe a better look at this than the average reader might because I've spoken to several boss fight authors now, but there's almost always, and authors in general, really, there's almost always a version of that story where it's like, this was really maybe two years worth of work and it took me five, six years. That's a super common story because really when we're, when we're coming up with that year or two number in our minds, we're seeing ourselves in this situation that never happens. You're in this pristine office and you have all day to work on yep. it and everything's, yep. nothing's going on wrong at home. You know, yep. no, you know, your neighbor isn't, uh, making noise and your, uh, your family isn't upset with you for some re weird right. reason. Uh, <laughs> and, and I've, I've heard this from many people and I definitely experienced it myself. It's, we, we don't really think of things. We don't estimate according to, the the worst case scenario we estimate according to the perfect scenario which never yeah, happens exactly so exactly books, books take a long time to write always yep. I think so definitely learn that definitely learn that so I'm glad game, I'm not alone that makes me feel a lot better actually I'm glad I'm not <laughs> yeah if that helps I've never spoken to anyone who was like <laughs> four months and then it was done <laughs> it's never happened if only so, if only my uh you know I didn't interview books so everybody really. Other people wrote the book for me that by mm. speaking the things and I just copied them down. Uh, <laughs> but if you really looked at how long it took, it was three or four years because I did those interviews over the course of several years. So yeah. it's it never it never goes quickly. But I mean, that that makes sense. And if if you still think of the game positively, then that's great. I mean, yeah, I hope <laughs> I still love the game. I still love the yeah. game. And I actually I'm I'm kicking around the idea of playing through it. I really want to make my husband play through it, but I don't know if I can make him. Um, he never played video games growing up. He was a comic book guy. Oh, uh, well, there you go. So, um, so yeah, I, I'm wondering if I can, if I can get him to sit down for 40 hours <laughs> to play through this game. Uh, who knows? Who knows? It's, it's a big ask. Yes. What, yeah. what are his big comic books? Just out of curiosity. Uh, he's really into Marvel stuff. Um, nice. uh, he, um, he has, five and a half thousand comic books um in the Ooh. yeah he's re he really is into comic books um uh his name is brett white he did a podcast called matt and brett love comics i don't know how many people listen to it but i want to plug that um yeah i don't do it anymore but you can go back and listen to the episode still there evergreen 
Um, they're really, it was really great um, podcast. And yeah, he's really into Marvel. He loves, he writes now. He's a TV critic for decider.com. And he nice. writes about all of the Marvel TV stuff that's coming out. He wakes up, he has to wake up really early to, you know, he woke up really early yesterday to watch Loki and had to write a big thing about it. Um, so yeah, he, he's really into comic books. I'm surprised he's not sick of them. Uh, the, the way I, you know, the way one might be sick of Final Fantasy VI after writing about it. You want to talk about things working out well for you. Being a kid who was into Marvel, uh, you know, now Marvel was was doing well decades ago also. Yeah. But what a time to be a Marvel expert. Right? Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, professionally and just like from a, a an audience standpoint. Oh, yeah. Holy cow. Like. I feel bad for folks who really, really love DC because DC movies, they can't, they can't seem to nail it. Like, you know, they have hits every now and then, but they just can't seem to keep the momentum up. I feel really bad for them. I would love to see that happen though. Um, But yeah, Brett's really, he's very staunchly a Marvel guy. He loves the X-Men. Well, they are certainly on top. So that it's, it's a great time. (laughs) So just off the top of my head, I mean, if, if Final Fantasy VI, let's say it had been taken in the series already, you just the timing wasn't right. Somebody got to it, mm. and you and you still ended up doing this. Do you think you'd end up doing a boss fight book? And what I mean, what what, what might have been the book? So if I had to do another boss fight book, um, <clears throat> I think I would still have to explore it from a music angle because that's, that's really how I I see everything. Um, um, when I'm talking about movies, I kind of talk about the music first before, in, you know, like TV shows, not so much, but like when I talk about movies, I really, I really think about the music first. Um, and I'm always like, when they play like a, a piece of classical music in a movie, I always like lean over to Brett and I'm like, that's Mozart, that's Bach, <laughs> that's Rachmaninoff. Yeah. Um, but if I had to write another boss fight book, um, I, would probably write it about super mario rpg um oh yeah nice i think that's a really interesting um a really interesting um intersection of game and music and concept and universes like colliding um and the game the music was written by yoko shimamura who also did i think did the kingdom hearts games Mm. um and uh she her she's wonderful and i'm i'm really really curious to know from her how she managed to write such a great um a great score for this really really impo- it would, super mario rpg is another game that should not have worked it truly mm-hmm. it truly shouldn't have worked um and uh i think you know again the music is part of the reason it did i don't think it's necessarily as big of a factor as with final fantasy 6 but um <clears throat> I want to know like how she walked that tightrope um, to get like the, the RPG feel and the Mario feel and um, sort of like mash them together. Yeah. And I'm also really curious to know about her experience as a woman um, working in the games industry, but also working as a composer in the games industry in the nineties. Um, yeah. Cause there are not many women composers whose works um, you know, have survived or made it into the classical canon. And, you know, you know, video games became a very male dominated field 
very early on and obviously music already was so it's like a double whammy and here comes yoko shimomura a genius um and i just want to know like what that experience was like for her i'm so curious and if if anyone is listening to this who knows of any writing on that subject already please hit me up i would love to read it yeah yeah and uh i agree that was such a fantastic game uh fantastic music but i i remember i've I've gone back to that game several times. It's another one I haven't finished, but mm-hmm. I love start. It's a game I love starting, which is, yeah. I don't know if that's a thing. Totally valid. Totally valid. I, I've started that game at least six, seven times that I can think of. And I sit there playing this game and I'm, it's one of those things you almost look around the room. Like, is anyone seeing this? Like who yeah. else, who has missed this that I can bother? Like, go play. I can't believe how fun that game is. It's so, it's so much fun. It really is. Um, my God, I, uh, I love it so much. That's another one. I just love, I love it. So it makes me smile. That'd be a great candidate for a remake. If you ask me, that would be, you know, I don't know if that would be the best thing or the worst thing. I don't know. Yeah, you know, I, I am, I would be really interested to see that, to be honest. I, you know, I'm not always a fan of, um, of just like remaking games for the sake of remaking them, but that one feels like it, something really cool could happen. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I would be, I would be a big fan of that. So I tell you as, as time uh, runs short here, what do you think, what do you think is up next for you? Um, you know, I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna sort of ride the wave of this book, um, a little bit, see where it takes me, um, see how folks are thinking about it and what I learn, um, from, from people after having this published and sort of like the feedback I get and, um, uh, sort of take that and digest it and see, um, see sort of what that, what that leads me to. I think it's pretty clear by this point that I'm not very big on life plans. Um, just sort of like falling into a book, falling into grad school, falling into moving to New York. Um, so, so yeah, I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna see where things take me. I would love to, um, I would love to finish this translation project I'm working on. Uh, and I would love to polish up my, my grad school thesis, my, my essays and my, uh, weird, stupid experimental prose, um, and maybe see if it does in fact have commercial value, even though several people have already told me it doesn't. Uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, just because those are the projects I have on deck, I also would love to make a video game. I would love to make a JRPG. Um, I actually have a great idea for one, but, um, I'm not going to spill the beans on the air, but, um, I would absolutely love to, to make a game. That would be a dream. So, I mean, this is the time for experimental content. I mean, you, you don't need anyone's permission these days. You just get to do it. So take a run at it. I think that would be awesome. And, and absolutely run with the, uh, the game idea. I can't, I can't wait to uh, hear more about that. So that'll be great. Yes. Yeah. I'd love to do that. Well, uh, let people know where they can find you online, the book and uh, anything else they should know. Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter at Sebsational. That's S-E-B as in boy, Sebsational, Sensational, Sebsational. Nice. Uh, you can find uh, me on Instagram, same thing. My Instagram is not very fun, but um, <laughs> honestly, my Twitter's not very fun either. Big shit poster. Um, <laughs> uh, 
Uh, and um, you can find the book on bossfightbooks.com. Um, uh, the ebook is five bucks. So, you know, not a, you're not going to uh, lose a lot. It's not a, it's not a huge investment. Hopefully you will invest and get a lot of return on it. Um, and, uh, you can also find it on the Kindle store. Uh, and, um, yeah, a paperback is going to be coming out, um, mid July, um, around July 13th, uh, give or take. So, um, so yeah, that's nice. the, that's the scoop. So a very, a very low risk investment, final fantasy six from boss fight books. Uh, congrats on it again, and we'll look Thank forward so to much. seeing what's next from you. Thank you. Yeah, thanks a lot. I appreciate it. It's been great to great to speak to you. Likewise.